Happy holidays from This Week in Men's Abs. I'm TJ. Thank you for joining me. So I am definitely a Christmas gay. I would decorate my entire apartment if I had the room and the time to do that. And I love it. I used to sell Christmas decorations when I was in high school. And my mom has boxes of Christmas decorations that she is probably waiting for me to have a big enough place so I can get them off her hands. Um... So for the next couple episodes, I have enlisted the help of some elves to talk about Christmas-themed media that I'm watching. Um, This week, I have Beth back again to talk about Netflix's Dash and Lily, and I enlisted Meg's help to talk about Christmas on the Square, the Dolly Parton musical on Netflix, and also Jingle Jangle, A Christmas Journey, also available on Netflix. So I'm going to jump right into these conversations, and I hope you enjoy. Beth, thanks for coming back. Thank you for having me. I love that you're back so soon. Me too. I could do this every week. Let's think of more things to talk about. Oh, more we, things to watch. Oh, we. I'm sure we will. Last time when we were talking, we got a little distracted by Christmas uh, and you were talking about Dash and Lily. So when I finally watched it, I needed you to come back to talk to me about this because uh, it's adorable, um, but I had some issues with it. Yes. <laughs> I needed to get them <laughs> off my chest. Um, So Dash and Lily is like a very short series on Netflix. It's a Christmas romantic comedy about these two teenagers in New York that are both having, they're making the most out of a Christmas that's lackluster because the girl who loves Christmas, her family has abandoned her to go to Fiji. And the boy who is always meh about Christmas um, decides to abandon both of his parents, both of his divorced parents to kind of spend Christmas by himself. Right. So to liven things up for Lily, she sets up a scavenger hunt that she kind of hopes someone takes her up on through leaving a book at the Strand Bookstore. Dash finds it, wackiness ensues, and it's a romantic comedy in eight episodes. Right. That kind of summed it up, right, I think? Yes. Cool. Well, I, first of all, um, I don't get homesick for the East Coast very often, but this definitely made me miss Christmas in New York because I love Christmas in New York. Yes. Nobody does Christmas like New York. I know. It's like there's a million people, but yet everyone is in a good mood for the most part. Like the decorations are great. You have to do the tourist. I have to go see the tree, you know, yada, yada, yada. I love Christmas in New York. Yes, us too. Um, We usually went once because we didn't live there. We usually went once in December and you know the kids that's back when fao shorts was still there and right we just we did the things you know um and definitely it did that and i think even in that limited series they even talk about christmas in new york through home alone movies and uh (laughs) how home alone 2 makes no sense because you can't get there and back in a certain amount of time but at the same time even in discussing you know, the improbability of that. They were still like, but I love it. You know, I think, I think this is a similar feeling um, because now we're in a pandemic and nobody can go and there's nothing to do without a mask on. But I know. know. Yeah. It definitely made me 
excited for Broadway opening back up and Rockettes again and all the, the things tree again and the park again for sure. I know. Uh, all right. So before I I get to the stuff that nitpicky, I want to talk about a couple things, a couple characters that I really loved. One was her brother, Lily's brother Langston, who's played by Troy Iwata. Um, I love him. I think I think he's so adorable and what he was doing with his line reading, some of the scenes, like his entrance when he's wrapped in an Afghan and like rolls into her doorway and is like, can we do this again? I was like, oh, you are so funny. Yeah. You are really funny. I, I totally agree. I thought he made great choices. And yeah. he's really beautiful. Yeah. Oh, so good. And, um, and then his boyfriend in the show, Benny, who's Diego Guevara. Um, he, so cute. So cute. And, and they're so cute together. I love them together. I know. And I wish, I mean, there's, uh, Tro um, Langston's a drama queen and breaks up with Benny later on, blah, blah, blah. But um, I also thought that was a ridiculous um, reason to break up with somebody. And I'm not sure that I believed it. Like I if know. he said two months, but two weeks? Two weeks. This boy is like really afraid of being alone. Yeah. He's been hurt, right? But um, when Benny's around and he's like really into the scavenger hunt, and it's like she doesn't even know him. Lily doesn't know Benny, and all no, of a sudden, and he's a hundred percent invested. A hundred percent, it's so cute. Yeah, I think he was a theater major. <laughs> I, I, I think he might have been. I think yeah. we would have been friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And then Dash's best friend Boomer. Uh, played by Dante Brown. I think Boomer is one of the best characters in this because he's totally. like, he's like invested, but also realistic about the whole thing, but is like fully on board, but is like, um, do you really want to do this? And he's like the voice of reason at some point. Yes, yes. But I also think he has, you know, that, that je ne sais quoi on film where you just, he glows. He's yeah. just, he's so sweet and, um, cute but likable yes yeah. infinitely likable but let's be honest beth and fun when lily meets boomer you're kind of yeah. like you two should get together like you made this character these two characters so compatible that i was like why are you wasting time following dash when boomer you have trouble talking to, to boys but here's this great guy like talk to boomer yeah totally so I, um, one of the reasons I was drawn to this series is I have a 12 and 13 year old daughters and it's, you either are watching, you know, The Grinch or G rated movies, or it's too grown up and, you know, there's inappropriate stuff um, that you'd have to explain. Right. So I was very excited that this was an age appropriate show and i will say one of my proudest moments was my 12 year old saying um i would totally date boomer <laughs> yeah yeah because after you meet the other people you're sort of like no no you're right you should date the happy joyous one who brings out the best in people right yes for sure totally and then totally. when i thought that these two weren't getting together i was like okay so maybe boomer's gay so maybe they're going to work something out, especially then when Langston breaks up with Benny. I was like, okay, so maybe Boomer and Langston are going to get together because right. that makes sense. Especially then Boomer shows up at a, a Jonas Brothers concert, which is something gay boys do? Mostly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, and it's also a good excuse to get Nick Jonas to show up. And well, I was going to say, unless you can get the Jonas Brothers to perform for your movie, and then you can get Nick Jonas to do a cameo, in which case everybody loves the Jonas Brothers. Well, Nick Jonas is a, <laughs> was a producer on this. So, of course, I yeah. think he was looking so there you for... Go. Yeah, it was like, right. Nick Jonas is going to show up in some way, shape, or form, and yeah. there he is. And he was yeah. funny for the scene he was in, too. It was yeah. cute. Yeah. Um, okay, but let's... Now, let's be real. Let's be a little bit more critical about it, because I... <laughs> have to. First of all, yeah. when we were talking about it last time, you were saying the age of the actors compared to the age of the characters kind of threw you. Yeah. So awful. I think that was the first thing I kind of warned you about. <laughs> it's, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. definitely watch it. Don't get thrown off by this. Right. Um, but to me, it seemed like they cast graduate students to play high schoolers. And yeah. I get that a lot of people are graduate students playing high schoolers. Yeah. It just so happened that these looked and acted like it. Yeah. Me. Yeah. I Not was... all of them. I kind of felt like Boomer and Sophia could pull off being high schoolers. Yeah. Um, but the lead characters, I, I really didn't buy it. I was mostly on board. I was like, I'll suspend my disbelief for the most part, especially because like you said, Boomer and Sophia were on the younger looking side where I was like, okay, kind of drags the average down a little bit. And right. then Edgar shows up, who is <laughs> stupid hot. I think Glenn McEwen was hot, but I was like, you are 29 at the least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, you're, we got Luke Perry showing up here to bring, to, to like right. bend the curve. I was like, you're, right. You're very old. Yes. <laughs> I, don't, yes. I don't buy it anymore. But yeah, whatever. But I, I'll be honest. I didn't buy it with Dash and Lily, who were the leads. I didn't buy it with them. Yeah. I just felt like, and maybe that's the storyline, but I, I felt like they just cast it older than it. I think that they thought, you know, Lily's this old soul, mm -hmm. makes her own clothes, plays board games with her grandpa. Like, this is right. not... A typical teenager but I wanted her to have a typical teenager person yeah that does adult things because you know she goes out with this group of friends that you know oh you hang out with all these older friends and to me they didn't look that much older yeah they, like they were all the same age yeah yeah no you're you're not wrong that's it's very true and I think then it makes when you have a an adult playing a teenager who's quirky, the quirk factor goes up even more. And it's like, you're now getting into the realm of not believable. So mm -hmm. just kind of need you to dial that back just a, mm -hmm. just a tad. Yeah. Yeah. But she was, but she was adorable, but it was like, she it was, was. pushing, but it was pushing the limit a little bit. Right. Right. Yeah. But speaking of Lily hanging out with these older people, she goes to McSorley's bar um, and she's upset and she like goes in and she like sips everyone's drinks and she gets drunk. Um, and I would, I will buy a 17 year old in a pub getting a little drunk if her friends are like sneaking her stuff. I, I'll buy that. But that was one, the original premise. Yeah. Yeah. But then she gets up at one point, she's like, I'll buy the next round. And it's like, what bar is going to serve a 17 year old alcohol? None and, bar. And then None later, bar. um, when they show Especially New Year's Especially in Eve, New York. Especially None bars in New York. York. I know. Um, yeah. 
But then later, when they showed a clip of New Year's Eve and Edgar's in the bar drinking a beer, I was like, Mick Sorley's is going to lose their liquor license. But I also feel like, okay, so every bar that I've ever been into, whether or not it's a pub, if you're going in there as a single teenage person, I don't care if you're meeting your friends, you still can't go up to the bar and get drinks. Right. No matter what. Right. And as someone who's worked in food service for longer than I care to admit, um, even anyone who looks under 30, now we like card them. So it was like, you're no. not gonna, this, there's no But way, also this, if you're acting like a stupid drunk. Yes, yes. It, it's, a it's also a dead giveaway. That it doesn't matter you what age have, you are. It yeah. doesn't matter what age you are. The bar's gonna be like, dude, you're cut off. You yeah, suck. we're done. We're done with you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, so her getting drunk leads to, the Dash eventually shows up. They have a breakup in the cab to hash things out. So they have a breakup and Dash had already planned to take her to the movies on Christmas Day, and he still goes to the movies by himself? I uh, guess. Uh, this whole last three episodes, there's like all of these little plot points. And then like, also there's, there's so they're passing the notebooks back and forth. And I think I missed a handoff of the notebook because he breaks, they break up in the back of the van, in the cab. He writes her a note, she, he gives it to her. I don't remember when she gives it back to him it's for her to get it back at the end. Did we, did I miss one? No, I'm, I'm not really clear on that either, but I think it happened where she wrote, you're right, and it doesn't matter because I'm going to Fiji anyway, yeah. and I won't be back for God knows when. So it never would have worked anyway. So I know that got written. I think she must bring it to Boomer, who she really, at that point, should be like, we should go out. Right, she right, uh, yes, agreed. Agreed. Okay, so maybe I did miss that too. I was like, I thought I was, thought I was following the handoffs of these well, but, but, and then, so let's talk about Fiji for a second. So Lily's family of, uh, goes to Fiji for their quote unquote second honeymoon, but actually- No, 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 no. Their first honeymoon. Oh, they took one. Oh, that's right. You're right. Yeah. Um, so yeah. their first honeymoon, um, right. but, but it was, actually- It was all a ruse. It was a ruse because Lily's dad- has, is applying for a job in Fiji. So it's a job interview. So they show right. up again on Christmas morning. Lily's hungover. So she goes to bed uh, after throwing up in a boot. Um, and so in front of everyone. In front of everyone. And um, actually not, not Christmas morning, Christmas night. It was like 6.30, 7 o'clock Christmas night. Oh, that's right. She got, she got day drunk and then uh -huh. hungover during the day. And, uh -huh. then, and then throws up, yeah, in a boot. Uh -huh. um, so then she's in bed, her parents come in and she's like, they're like, oh, you're breaking our heart after we moved heaven and earth to be back for Christmas. I was like, no, 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 you don't get to guilt your daughter after leaving her on her favorite holiday and then being like, but we showed up, aren't you happy? And it's like, no, you left her. And, yeah. and subsequently your daughter- And with a lie. And left, with a lie. With a lie. And then you came back and shamed her. Yes. And that then- bad parenting. And didn't like- explain the fact that like she's already had to deal with the fact that um you're she's going to be moved across the world for her senior year of high school and it's like you expect a, a happy reunion right now no uh-uh no 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 there to me those are those are book moments that either and in the show moments that either reflect someone who's not a parent yeah. writing the book yeah or someone that had a bad parent writing the book. <laughs> yeah. Because those are not healthy choices that you have to make every day as a parent. Right. 
Well, also, and I'm not saying they don't happen. I'm not saying they don't happen, but to actually highlight them in literature yeah. is a bad idea. Yeah. But also, okay, I'm not a parent, so yeah. maybe you can answer this question, but if the option is there for your daughter to stay in the city with family for her senior year to not uproot her, I know that you love your daughter and you want her to be with you, but like, wouldn't you have figured out a way maybe to let her at least stay for her senior year? Yes. Maybe? I mean... But I also, to, to speak to that, it sounds like they kind of did with the grandfather. It sounds like they kind of did. Yeah. And then he was being, you know, basically a judgmental asshole by saying, but I don't like who you've become this last two weeks, and therefore I'm not going to do it anymore. The last Which two also, weeks, giving me a break. I know, I, it was a little bit, please note, Beth made rude hand gestures off screen. <laughs> <laughs> It's a podcast, Beth. They can't see the they can't see the jerk off motion that you're That's doing. That's why I had to narr okay. narrate the movement. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, he like so. Okay, so you've had this conversation. Would it have killed you to drop her a bone to be like, you know what? Look, can you shape up? Or or I know you're being a rebellious teenager, blah blah blah, which she's never been ever. So she has like five days of crazy. Like right. Grandpa could have been like we. I, I mean, you, I was thinking about letting you stay. Can you just like calm down and I'll, and then we can work it out? No, I, I, I think that they alluded to that. And then clearly they got back to that in the yeah. end with one phone call from a cab. Right. <laughs> Man. Even, I, I, yeah, no, the last, the last few episodes, it took it a little further than my suspension of disbelief was going to go. I will also say, I feel like they could have condensed those three into two. Yeah, I agree. They could have, they could have probably done that. Um, I do think though it redeemed itself at the end when Dash and Lily finally come together at the strand and he's laid out this spread of food from every adventure that they took. There's a, a corresponding ornament. I was like, this is, this is like quintessential romantic comedy. And it's like, I'm yeah. really okay with this. This is yeah. a nice little bow on top. Yes. I'm fine. Well, and I also have to say, we really haven't talked about Dash at all. Um, but his level of ennui during the whole thing <laughs> is really palpable. Yes. And I think, so we get it. But what I think I wanted was for, for us to see that start to shift and we really didn't see it till the last episode yeah, yeah you know right. so, but but i think that's why it felt like a romantic comedy because all of a sudden instead of the ennui it was you know hopeful and joyous off we oh. <laughs> I, I totally i totally stole that that was Oh, I, li I liked it. Oh, that was, well, we'll, yeah. we'll, uh, Melissa, we'll, Melissa McCarthy says it as Suki when she's in Gilmore Girls, but. Oh, okay. She says, what's the opposite of ennui? And she goes, off we. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. I, I want to, I'm going to use that like all the time now. You're right. I think he, there are glimmers of him coming around to Christmas, which is the whole point. Uh, and then we get the big one at the end. So, okay. Mm -hmm. I also don't necessarily need another season of this like I think season this is this is fine I to don't me, need this was a limited series to me this is this was written as a limited series I, I don't know if there's a second book I don't know if there's 
but yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I, I am too. I don't need to see the repercussions of this. I don't need to see the family working out right. or staying in New York. I don't right. need to. So it's sort of like dissecting a Hallmark movie. It, it's, it's built the way it's built, right? It's, right. But I do think, I mean, I think for family watching, it was cute. I agree. I mean, I'm not mad that I watched it. I just, yeah, of yeah, course, yeah. I just had, the, of course, these head-shaking moments where I was like, I know it's not going to be perfect, but come on, the last three, get it together, <laughs> these last three episodes. Well, thanks, Beth. I appreciate you uh, helping me, helping me get this off my chest. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. Meg, happy holidays. Happy holidays, TJ. Um, Tis the season for holiday movies on, on Netflix and the like. Yeah, this, I gotta tell you, I don't normally watch new Christmas movies, so uh, this was a new adventure for me. Well, um, I, I saw Jennifer Lewis post on Twitter about her belting out a Dolly Parton song, and I was like, okay, I love me some Jennifer Lewis, so I want to go check out Christmas on the Square on Netflix. And I enlisted you to watch it, and I feel like I should apologize. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I feel like you owe me, like, a a Christmas goodie that's not a fruitcake. <laughs> I'll, I'll send you some wine. How about Okay, that? I'll take that. I'll no, take wine. No, listen, I, I, I think you and I can agree that we love Dolly Parton. So I really want to take a, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all approach to this. Um, yes, yes, yes. I'm with you. In the spirit of Christmas, I am in the spirit of Christmas. on the bright side. Indeed, indeed. Um, but... <laughs> the, we, we do we, we do have to talk about it just a little bit because I was confused with like I don't really know what story they were trying to tell in all of this because it was like three stories in one in a way where I was like I wish we didn't know they should have decided how what story they were going to try to tell because it sort of looked like it was like a Christmas Carol it's a wonderful life kind of thing with Christine Baranski hating her town and wanting to get out of there and like deciding to sell it all because like burn it to the ground, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And sells it to the Cheetah Mall Company um, (laughs) because they want to build the biggest mall in middle America, apparently. And this town has the right square footage, I guess. Yes. Um, I guess that's the other thing I really need to look up because between this and Schitt's Creek, do towns actually go up for sale so regularly? Like... (laughs) Is that a thing that happens? I guess I don't fully understand town ownership. It's something I'm going to have to Google. Yeah, no, that is an excellent point. But then we find out that her assistant is an apprentice angel. I was like, well, that would have been good to know more than 40 minutes into this movie. Like, that's a story into itself. Mm-hmm. And then so it was like, is she there to help show her the way? But, like, but now we've already invested all of this time. Are we going to, are we going to, is she going to be visited by spirits from her past and, and her heart's going to grow three sizes and she's not going to sell the town anymore? Like, I don't understand. All the things, TJ, all the things are happening. All the things. All the things. Well, you know, it's interesting you talk about the apprentice angel because I feel like the apprentice angel actually did not get her wings. Like I realize at the end you you see her with Dolly Parton in there, you know, it looks like she has been given her, you know, angel certificate. Sure. I don't know. I, maybe I'm just a meaner boss. I would have been like, you failed. You're going right. to have to repeat the test. 
<laughs> because right. I don't feel like the young woman, uh, Janine. Janine Mason, who I, I love her. I've met her a couple times and I think she's adorable. And I loved her season on So You Think You Can Dance. Like she was one of the best So You Think You Can Dance winners that we've had, in my opinion. And what a lost opportunity because the one, oppor- the one chance we get to really see her dance, she's pretending that she can't dance. Yes. Um, which is unfortunate. But um, but why? Oh, and also, I'm sorry. Yeah, we're Why that sequence? For 20 seconds, put, the, put Felicity in a dance studio? That's, it's, it's absurd. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. No, it's <laughs> Can't fine. Can't say something nice. <laughs> Can't say something nice. Um, no, I just feel like she just had a missed opportunity of like, she, that character didn't actually do much. I feel like Dolly Parton stepped in as the angel. Yes. And she's actually the one who helped Christine Baranski. Like, all Janine did was drive her to the right place in one moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like... But it goes along with this could have been so many different things, and there was not enough time. It was only an hour and a half, not even a full hour and a half, with credits. Right. Yeah. Um, well, and not only that, as far as the movie goes, but I don't think they served themselves in the material by making the time frame of this movie only two days. I think mm-hmm. that they could have benefited by like, you know, starting the, the first scene where there's like Christmas on the square. It's like, that could have been like, what, the, the day after Thanksgiving or like the first of December where the whole town gets together and decorates and here shows up Regina with these eviction notices. So you've got like, and there's like, you all have to be out by Christmas Eve. So you've got 24 days to have this plot like come together. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead you decided to make this a two day thing. Yeah, that's it's short sighted in writing. It, yeah. Maybe to them it was like we got to make the, it really tense. You can still make it tense by editing and being like you know, three days till Christmas, two days till like you can build tension through right. storytelling. It doesn't have to be everything's going to happen in forty eight hours. Yeah, um, because then also like she shows up serves her best friend from high school an eviction notice. And it's like, I'll see you tomorrow when you cut my hair. And I'll be like, bitch, I'm not showing up to cut your hair the next day. And right? do you think it's going to be a, like, in what world do you think you, you fire your, your, you evict your hairdresser and think she's not going to fuck your hair up the next day? Well, maybe I, I had a thought of like, they've been best friends since childhood. So maybe she's like, whatever, she's my best friend. She'll just do it. Well, what a toxic friendship you guys have. But... It is moments like that scene between Christine Baranski and Jennifer Lewis, where you see when the writing is not great, but you've got two talented actresses that are acting the shit out of a bad script. And you're like, Mm -hmm. you guys are in a different movie. How are you making gold out of this? Because that scene between when they, before Jennifer Lewis starts singing that meh song, um, they're doing, I'm like, I'm buying, I will watch this movie. Why is it? Why am I not watching the rest of this movie? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, they were great. And even, you know, basically any time Christine Baranski was on screen, it became a different level of, well, everything. Yeah, yeah. Because you're right, like, she could take, I mean, there is that stereotype of, like, she could probably take the phone book and make it Shakespearean. Um, Sure. Like, she's just that good. Um, And even, we've talked about, she has a scene with a child at one point, and the kid's great. She's adorable, but she's still a kid and she's not being asked to act anything particularly difficult. And yet that's like the best scene in the movie. It is. It is. I, 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 and I'm, I was watching it going, you are, you're both really good, but Christine Bransky, you, you can literally do anything. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, there's a moment where she goes to get up and the little girl says something and the way Christine Baranski falls back into her chair, mm-hmm. it, it's not overdone. Well, again, it's Christine Baranski because she knows what she's doing, but sure. a lesser, a less talented actress and more novice actress would have played that very extreme. Yeah. And there was just something so beautiful about her getting the wind knocked out of her and all you can do is sit back down. Yeah. Yeah. And like when she leaves, the little girl says that, you know, um, my, I think my dad blames me for my mother's death. And Christine Bransky is like, no. And like the tears coming to her eyes, like, mm-hmm. you know, that that's her Grinch moment where she's like, I'm not really a terrible person anymore. Like mm-hmm. kind of thing. And, and that's like the beginning of the change for her. And she's like, no. And like is moved to tears. I was like, you're, you are give her all of the awards. Give her, all the just, awards. give her every give her every award she could possibly get, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And that girl has to be adorable for us to care about what happens to her at the end mm-hmm. because she's in a car accident and at like on Christmas Eve and you know, we don't know if she's gonna make it. There's no pediatric neurosurgeons in this town, so they gotta fly mm-hmm. somebody in. But again, this there's so there's a few things I want to vent about as if I haven't been already before we move on. But like her, the handling of Violet in the hospital is ridiculous to me. I don't know. So Christine Baranski goes in for an MRI in the morning. And then when she's done, it's now dark out. And I don't know how long MRIs take, but I don't think you're going to be in the hospital all day for when the father shows up with Violet after their accident and then they go into the hospital and then the neurosurgeon is flown in and in time for then Violet to show up at Christmas Eve service that Mm -hmm. night, they let a child out of a hospital after brain, out of a hospital after brain surgery? Are you out of your fucking mind? Brain surgery that happened to have no visible scars. No, they didn't shave her head. Nothing. 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 I was like, she, first of all, I will, I will allow it for her to wake up, Mm -hmm. you know, the same night. Like maybe that happened. Okay. And I was like, so then for at the service for them to announce that Violet is out of the woods, she's going to be recovering. I remember sitting there watching it going, I swear to God, if that girl shows up in the town square on Christmas Eve, I'm going to lose my shit. And then she shows up and is walking. They don't even have nope. a wheelchair. So not even a wheelchair. Nope. <laughs> oh, my God. No, it doesn't make, any, doesn't make any logical sense. But I realize you have to, like, suspend disbelief when you watch movies like this. Like, yes. how many doctors watch every doctor show ever and are, like, not even close to accurate? But we don't care. Right. When we, as people who don't understand medical stuff are like, no, this doesn't work, you know there's a problem. Yes. Oh, my God. That was just... I was like, I don't know. I don't, I'm glad we're at the end of this because I don't think I can watch much more. Yeah, no, it was, it was rough. And what a waste. Like, there's so many people in it. Well, like, Treat Williams is in it, and I kept thinking, like, why, does, why do people like Treat Williams and Christine Baranski and Jennifer Lewis say yes to this? Other than maybe an opportunity to work with Debbie Allen or, you know, Dolly Parton. Yeah, that's um, probably what it is. It's like how uh, uh, maybe in the moment you're like, I, this is going to be great. And then you see the end product and you're like, oh, this is not, not, not great. Not my best. Not, not the best. I mean, um, Debbie Allen really threw everything at this movie hoping it was going to stick. Like them tap dancing in a bank. Uh-huh. Um, the Oh, but Meg, the voguing in oh, the I hair can't. salon. What a disappointment that moment was. Because I did start... I started it with the very first number thinking, you know, I really appreciate that I'm seeing classical musical theater 
dance because musical theater is moving not only with how it's written but also how it's choreographed and directed it's moving into a modern like pop pop music yeah. world and it was really like i was it felt very comforting to see tours and you know some pointed feet very mm-hmm. i appreciated it mm-hmm. but then when they were voguing i thought well this doesn't work like you said she was throwing things out to try to like encompass so much but to me, it's it's okay for it to be one thing. It mm-hmm. doesn't have to be everything. And I think that's, if I can say one critical thing about this movie, is I feel like it was trying to be too many things and didn't focus on the one thing that it was. Right. Because I don't think it really knew what the one thing was, yeah. necessarily, as we, as we mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, but I... Just... I, I, okay, all right. We, <laughs> maybe we weren't... Maybe we're saying too many not nice things about this. So maybe we should move on, but I do want to um, point out just just the boys in this, uh, mm. because I love Josh Segarra. I didn't realize, even though I know he's been on Broadway, I didn't realize how good of a singer he was. I thought, anyway. Um, and I like looking at him. I think mm-hmm. he's adorable. And the young, the boy who played young Treat Williams, uh, Andrew Brodeur, he was, he was very attractive. Yes, he was very, they're both very attractive. And, you know, it's, it's not fair. When we were talking earlier before, I was, like, not super happy with Josh Segarra. But you're right. The moment he started singing, I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. I get it. But Pastor Christian, you named You're the- Pastor Christian, right? <laughs> and I, you know, what's funny is that I, I said to my husband, who was, who was sitting next to me as I was watching this on my computer, that I understand that there are Christians who name their children Christian. It's, yes. It happens. But you have an opportunity as a writer to name him whatever you want. <laughs> Why are you smacking me across the face? He's a pastor. I don't know what other religion has pastors. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. You could have named him literally anything else. It was anything else. It was like this was the first draft, and you're like, okay, we're just going to put his name there because just as a placeholder. Nope. And then they forgot to go back. That's yeah. actually a really funny. I kind of, I'm going to decide that that's what happened. Okay, they maybe got that's what it was. on set, and they were like, oh, shoot, we never changed the name. Yeah. Well, I'm exhausted, so I'm not doing it now. Your name's Pastor right, Christian. Exactly. Exactly. That, that's your name. That's um, your name. And, and who, and Meg, who do I always look for in movie musicals that shows up? Who showed up well, in this? My gosh, I was so thrilled when the most adorable Alex Wong leaped across the stage. Yes. And they gave him that one big lift, too, where he's, yes. like, wide open. I was like, okay, Alex, mm-hmm. there you are. But I, I, I joked when I started, to myself, when I started watching this, going, how long until Alex Wong shows up? I was like, oh, no, there he is. There he is. I. <laughs> well, it's funny. I follow him on Instagram, and he posted something not all that long ago where I was like, oh, he's filming. They're in Canada, I think, maybe. He's filming something, and he had a mask on, and he was acting jealous because something was filming that he wasn't a part of. Uh-huh. Like, people were dancing on stairs. Um, and I was like, oh, he's in a Christmas. I could tell it was Christmas. I was like, oh, he's in a Christmas movie. Um, so either it was this, or he'll be showing up in yet another Christmas movie to come. I know. I, well, I'm waiting to see it. Let's see. I, I always look for any time it's a music, movie musical. I'm like, where's Alex Wong? I'm just waiting for it. Yeah, I mean, he must be really great to work. I mean, he's really talented. Let's be honest. We we have been fans of his since he was on. So you think you can dance? Yeah. Um, out of your mind, just will stick with us forever. 
but he must be like one of the nicest people to work with because he's in everything. Everything. If he was not nice to work with, eventually people would be like, yeah, he's really talented, but he's a pain in the tush. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I just want to, let's continue to believe that he's really lovely and, and, uh, and great to work with. That's what I'm going to say. Good, good. Okay, let's move on to the other Christmas movie that I made you watch, which was Jingle Jangle, because I was seeing a lot about it on on Twitter and on Netflix. I was like, people were really loving this movie. And it was good, but I wouldn't say it necessarily was a Christmas movie. It felt a little tacked on to the beginning and the end, Mm because otherwise the subject matter had nothing... They really don't mention Christmas again, except for, you know, it's about... um, uh, a toy maker who loses essentially his um, love for life and making toys because his apprentice steals his uh, book of inventions and then creates a life for himself. And then his wife dies and he, his daughter, his relationship with his daughter is challenged. So he retreats into himself. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, aside from the Gustafson, who's the rival toy maker now, saying about, like, I make the, the most wanted toys for Christmas. It's like, otherwise, it's not really a Christmas movie. No, it really isn't. It's, yeah, like you said, it's kind of bookended as a Christmas movie, but the, it, I could see where it's like a holiday feel-good movie, maybe, or a, yes. a winter movie, because it, it's very winter. It feels very winter. Yes. Um, but but as like, far as Christmas goes, it's very, well, it's certainly not religiously Christmas. No, but there's not even Christmas decorations up no. or anything in the movie. I mean, it's a very, like you said, it's a holiday feel-good thing where it's about the granddaughter coming to see her grandfather and teaching him how to believe again. And it's like, that's very in the spirit of Christmas. But otherwise, mm-hmm. it was not, you know, there's no, there's mistletoe. They bring yeah. up the, the, the... Yes, there's mistletoe Christmas it. movie. There, there you go. <laughs> I would, I would... I would push towards this is a holiday feel good movie because it happens to be around the winter time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I do think though that I really like this world that David E. Talbert created. Yes. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's, like all the costumes are lush. The set looked really good. I like mm-hmm. what he wa- the world he wanted to create, this animation thing that they worked into it as well. It felt very, I was saying to you before, I was like, the whole thing felt really expensive. Like yes. everything just felt, I was like, I want to live in this world. It's like the, mm-hmm. with like it, borderlines on steampunk with all of the like the work, working gears and everything. It's like, it's really fun. Yeah. And it felt like everything belonged. I never thought, it felt like a complete design from the animation, like you said, the animation to the costumes, to the art direction, to like all, just all of it. The lighting felt very specific. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I just felt like they understood this world and they created a very, like you said, a very lush, beautifully designed world that everyone fit into. And I, I liked it as well because I feel like it, is a different world. They created a world. They didn't say, oh, well, if America was like this or if England was like this. No, I don't know where this is, but it's not of this world. Yeah, no, I don't think so either. I think that it, it exists. It's a fantasy land in its mm-hmm. own way, or it's like an alternate. You mentioned something earlier offline where it was like, it feels like a, an alternate dimension in a mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Sort of. That exists parallel to where we are but not I mean obviously you've got all of these things being created all of these toys that are life's unto themselves like he brings a a doll to life in the Mm -hmm. first scene which is pretty 
amazing. And yeah, a, a doll that has its own personality. Yes, like, his own personality actual and actual life. And borders on evil. He is actually the main villain of this movie. Main villain, yeah. Played by Ricky Martin deliciously. Yeah, he's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, although I do wonder about the slight stereotypical, like he, the doll's name is Don Juan Diego, but he's, and he's dressed like a matador. But like, they do that thing where he's like, see, sí, pero, and then I'm going to speak in English for the rest of this. Or I'm just going to say specific Spanish mm-hmm. words like azul. I'm like, okay, all right. You could just commit to him being Spanish. Like he's that one, like in Jane the Virgin, where she, he's going to speak in Spanish and everyone just understands what he's saying, but I'm going to talk to you in English kind of thing. And it's, yeah. uh, and there's, <laughs> there's subtitles the whole time. Well, here's the other thing. If you made him Spanish, then you make the only Spanish character the main villain. Oh, that's true. That's true. So. All of the performances in this movie were fantastic. Like uh, yeah. Forrest Whitaker was almost unrecognizable. I didn't he... realize that was him. Yeah, he was so great, and I, no, he just broke my heart, and I just loved him so much. I mean, I, so they start off when, they they go through a large timeline of all the mm-hmm. characters, but mm-hmm. when it starts, Forrest Whitaker's character is played by someone else as a younger man. Oh, and Justin I feel Cornwell. Like, oof, woof, yes. he is hot. He's okay, sorry. very attractive. Yes. Uh, yes. Um, he and Forrest Whitaker, I feel like, are only the same character because they have the same name and they're in the same shop. Be- and that's fine because of all the pain that Geronicus, this character, goes through, that he becomes, like, this shell of a person. And Forrest Whitaker is tragically beautiful in this role. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I did find and myself I- Googling, like, was he on? has he been on Broadway? Yes, but not in musicals. Is he a singer? Not that I can see. Like, yeah, but he did a really good job. I thought his voice was was really good for for this for this movie. Yeah, no, it was fine. He kind of at moments reminded me of who is it? Rex Harrison, the guy from um, My Fair Lady. My Fair Lady, who wasn't really a singer, so they wrote him songs that were kind of speaky. Yeah, yeah. Although Forrest Whitaker did more singing than Rex Harrison did. Yeah, um, I would argue, but. Yeah, no, he was so good. The whole, again, the whole cast, like Keegan-Michael Key was so good. He was another one. I didn't know his voice was that good either. Yeah, he was so good. His voice was great. Um, The the number that they gave him where he's like, you can't spell magic without me, Mr. uh, Because his name is Mr. G or something like that is what they were calling Mm -hmm. Gustafsson. Um, I was like, this is a great song. Great song. That number was great. Yeah, really good. And all of the numbers were great. There was not one number that I thought that they dropped the ball on. I I agree. Um, I think that if if we're treating Netflix movies now as Oscar contenders, um, I think that there's a couple songs in this that could be up for best best song. That one that Madeline Mills, who plays Journey, sings, uh, like the square root of the of impossible or something along those lines. Like that is a great great song. Yeah. No, and she was great. She was great. I feel like people are going to be singing that in New York. When auditions happen again, I think that a lot of people are going to be singing that song. And I think that the character song that everybody's going to be singing is the one that Mrs. Johnston sings. Yeah. It's a great character song. It actually well, makes me think of like, hey, sing a comedy song. What does that even mean? That song. That song. Indeed. That song. Although it did make me question mark her character a little bit because she plays a male lady but the song has a lot of like food undertones to it. I was like, couldn't she? I feel like she should have been like a baker or she should have mm-hmm. been like 
the bread delivery him. lady. Exactly. There should have been something else as a as a postal worker. It didn't quite work. Yeah, it seemed out of place. I mean, other than the fact that she was continually delivering his mail and and she like had a sixth sense for what mail said, which got completely dropped. Yeah. Um, that seemed unnecessary. Um, yeah, I because you did by the time you get to the end of the movie, you realize you needed her to have a delivery truck. It was plot line specific. Yeah. Um, but it could have been a truck of anything and big anything. goods. It, I mean, in this world, it, it was a little bit, you know, Dixonian. Dickens. Dickensian. Dickensian. Thank you. I was like, there's a word for it. Dickensian. Yes. So I love that I, word. It could have been a bread delivery truck. Totally. They delivered bread back in Dickens' day. I yes. really, I just didn't like that she was so aggressive and not like, why? Like, you're being really aggressive and weird with him. Yeah. Like, you never, you're never sweet. You're never like, he finally kisses her under the mistletoe and then she immediately goes weird again. Like, lady, you're being weird. Like, you just want to get laid. You don't like him. You just, that's how I felt. I felt like she just wanted to get laid. It wasn't really about liking him. And I wish it had been about liking him. I, yeah, I can yeah. I see what you're saying. But I do, I, I really, it is great. The movie's great. It is imperfect. And I probably will not go back and watch it again. Yeah. But as far as spending just over an hour and a half to watch it, not mad. Well, I, I feel like you would, we were talking a little bit before and we had kind of like a discussion about the ending where it seemed like it could have wrapped up in a different way as far as like, so you've got Anika Ronani Rose who plays his daughter who comes back who, oh my God, I wish they had given her more than just one song because mm-hmm. I love me some Anika Nani Rose and yeah. she sang the shit out of that song. Yep. Um, but it seemed like it could, it would have been the perfect time for them to like, she comes back, they have to build the robot together again, and it seemed like it would have made for, like, a family affair kind of thing, where, like, mm-hmm. now this guy's, he, he's starting to believe again, he's working with his daughter, who he's now, who's he's been estranged from, he's got this granddaughter that he's grown to love, and it's like, here's his opportunity to rebuild himself again, and, but he does it almost at the expense of Gustafsson coming to, like, think he's got the upper hand and expose him and mm-hmm. then the tables get turned. Yeah. Um, and you could have done the whole thing where like either, yeah, sure. Maybe Gustafson like is now sent away, but there's could have been a different way to like bring all of that together again. Like there's a big fire at Gustafson's factory. He could have lost everything. Adronicus could have gone to Gustafson with an olive branch to be like, look, I had this gift for you that I wanted to give you back in the day. Mm-hmm. And like Gustafson could have been like, will you take me back as your apprentice and teach me things I didn't know? And the, the whole thing could have been resolved in a different, more, just a different way. Yeah, instead of just, because you're right, you know, it ends with Gustafson being taken away by the cops, being like, oh, you told us he was the bad guy, but really you're the bad guy, so come on, we're going to go to jail. Oh, wait, I had this gift for you. And you see it, because Keegan-Michael Key has an emotional moment there that then gets wiped away because the cops are like, all right, going to jail, take your little trinket with you. Yeah. I would have liked it better had he not been taken to jail, and I think that the moment of... Gustafson realizing that his mentor really did care about him and that he had just spent however many 20 years I don't know how many how many years 
Yeah. You know, not having a friend. Because I also don't think that toy was very nice to him. You know what I mean? Like, the main bad guy was kind of mean to Gustav, uh, Gustafsson. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he didn't really have any friends. He was constantly paranoid, and he lost out on a lot. And I feel like there's a lesson there that yeah. we kind of swipe over a little bit. For sure. I think we could have we could have tied that up in a different in a different way. Yeah. Um, it didn't and... ruin the movie for me. No, no, for sure. But I would have. I think that the way we have rewritten it is actually better. I I think so. Um, yeah. I just do. I do have one question though. Uh, regards to Buddy Three Thousand, who looks like Wally. Mm-hmm. Let's be perfectly honest. Yes. When he they, does. when he was revealed, I was like, oh, they built Wally. I don't understand what happens. Um, <laughs> does he does he make them fly, or do <laughs> or do they do they fly? Because they believe, so it's like a Mary Poppins, Peter Pan, think happy thoughts kind of thing? Or, because they only fly when Buddy 3000's around, mm-hmm. but, I, so I don't understand. It's a great question that I do not have an answer to. Because I also, like, because they kept, they keep saying to Dronicus, like, Grandpa, like, you have to believe, you have to believe, you have to believe. And it was almost, it's like some, it's supposed to be symbolic, I think, of childhood and imagination. And sure. he needed to get joy back and to believe in himself again, not only to fly, but also to see the magical math. Um, magical math, indeed. Magical math. Like, he was still able to do math, but he wasn't able to see it magically. And... <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> which is very, which is an important, an important distinction that I haven't really figured out the thesis on yet, so... Okay, we'll come um, back to that. We'll come back to that, I guess. Or we won't. Like, I don't know. Like, there is clearly a symbolism to the math being magical. Yeah. Um, I'm just not 100% sure why the math had to be magical as opposed to why can't, like, yeah, I don't know. But it is, it's magical. And he had to believe in himself in the same way that he has to believe in himself for Buddy to make him fly. Um, I do have a theory because the flying did bother me because it's the movie starts and ends with Felicia Rashad as grown-up journey with her granddaughter granddaughter who can see the magical math dancing uh-huh. in the uh-huh. fireplace. Uh-huh. Although it's not even math, it's like figures. Whatever the yeah. case, she can see magic. She can and the see grandson magic. who cannot. And she tells them this story of her life as a child. And then all of a sudden Buddy's there and they can fly. Right. But Buddy's new to them. So we had discussed, like, is Buddy kept in a secret room and he's not allowed to come out and play, which is really mean. I that's really mean. Hope. That's so yeah. mean. Poor Buddy. Um, but I have a theory that is – I have a plot line in my head that just didn't make it to screen. Oh, And I'm just going to believe that it's what the plot line is. So okay. my theory is that, yes, this world is in another dimension. Um, cat, okay. Like, that is parallel to ours, right? And uh-huh. Journey – because her name is Journey, has gone on this magical journey and fallen into our timeline or our dimension, Uh fallen in love, had a family, and has now realized that she has passed her ability to see and produce magic onto her granddaughter. Mm -hmm. So now is the time to tell them their legacy and to introduce them to Buddy and open up the window and reveal what they couldn't see before, which is this toy factory because when they open the window how do these kids not know that they're related to the most famous toy maker ever unless they really don't know so my theory is that this is all new information to them and they're not just looking out the window 
they are looking through a, to like a portal, like a magical portal to like, that's, that's something only you can see because you're now attached to the magic. And oh. now that you believe Buddy's going to help us fly out the window and in through it, like go through that portal. Now where these kids' parents are, I have no idea. Right. But grandma is kidnapping them and taking <laughs> them into a new dimension of magic. <laughs> so Meg, I love that. Thank I you. I love that because I had that moment too when they opened the window. It was like, is that Geronicus's factory? It's like, how do you not see that? It's been there the whole time. Is this your first time going to grandma's house? I don't understand. You don't know the robot. You don't know the factory. What? Where, where are you kids? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. your so, theory is great. Thank you. My Yeah, my theory is that like, this is almost like a, a gift of their legacy being passed on. Finally, finally journey. Because I'm get, my theory also is that her kids are just like totally worthless when it comes to the magic. It like completely skipped a generation. Yeah. Okay. That, that, I think that tracks. Sure. So now she's like, Oh goody, my granddaughter. And I would have been totally fine as like, you know, a cranky girl. If the grandson couldn't see the magic and they were like, sorry, dude, you're going to have to hang out in the magicless world. We're out, which is not very Christmassy or holiday (laughs) spirity. No, but I think for, for, I think you just wrote Jingle Jangle too. It's like when these kids show up at the factory and now it's them learning the, the whole thing and being mm-hmm. taught how to like make the thing. And then we have to introduce a villain somewhere. Maybe Don Juan San Diego, not, no, not San Diego. Don Juan Diego <laughs> shows up again. They create like another demon toy. I don't know. I don't know what's mm-hmm. going to happen. Anyone listening who happens to be in the room when movie scripts are being approved, like I, I'll, I'll work. Uh-huh. Whatever low rate, just to yeah. fix movies. Oh, God. same. I just want to be a script do- doctor every once I in a while. I want to be a no script credi- doctor. Yeah. I have no credits to my name to be able to do that. <laughs> but I think that through this conversation, Meg, between these two movies, I think we mm-hmm. could have just saved Christmas. We could have saved Christmas 2020. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Meg. Thanks for taking this Christmas journey with me. Well, thank you, TJ. I'm pretty sure I'll never watch a new Christmas movie again. Oh, you're welcome. (laughs) Fall Thanks again to Beth and Meg for joining me. This is the penultimate episode of season one of This Week in Men's Abs. So next week will be my season finale, and then I will be back in January to pick up where we left off. In the meantime, if you would like to tweet at me, you can do so at This Week in Abs, or you can write me at thisweekinmensabs at gmail.com. I will, of course, have pictures of the boys we talked about on the Instagram, which is This Week in Men's Abs, and then my own personal Twitter and Instagram, which are both at Truman Jasper. Okay, happy holidays, and I'll see you next week. Bye.